It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Ten teams, Andy, passed on Darvin Ham before he was hired. And Darvin says those ten teams effed up royally. Is he right? You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. for making Lockdown Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Lockdown Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with almost 20,000, getting real close to 20,000, 20,000, 80, 20,000 uh, subscribers to the Lockdown Lakers YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate everybody's uh, support of that channel um, and love leaving comments and you know, responding to the questions you ask us. Um, so please keep that coming. Uh, and we are going to get into, I mentioned in the open, uh, Darvin Ham's interview with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the This League Uncut podcast. A lot, Andy, that came out of that. But we should note um, that it is officially official. LeBron James, as announced at the ESPY Awards this week, uh, is in fact going to come back and play basketball this year. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's funny actually. We this uh, it was announced, but it should be noted by LeBron James um, yes. as he was getting an award and the SB for best record breaking performance, obviously for passing Kareem, and he said from the dais after being uh, presented, and this is pretty cool by his wife, Savannah, and their three kids, said, quote, I don't care how many more points I score or what I can or cannot do on the floor. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating the game? The day I can't give everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today, which is, again, a roundabout way of confirming that he will be there for his 21st season, which came on the heels of 
him putting out Instagram pictures of every single player right. that the Lakers either right. signed or retained. Or and Rich actually, and Rich Paul saying he's really excited to come back, but he essentially not today, Satan. Um, uh, retirement, and uh, you know it, it. It it was. I mean, look, nobody actually thought at this point he was walking away, but I think what got m- most of the attention was the sort of. It was very LeBron, like, you know, in terms of like the theatricality of it and the production of it. Like, this was very LeBron. You either kind of like it or you you kind of giggle at it. Um, I don't know, you know. It doesn't bother me, but it's like, yeah, this is this feels very LeBron. Well, what I think is interesting about this, because, you know, when LeBron said this after the Western Conference finals loss, you know, the game four where. He absolutely played his ass off. He played almost the entire game. It's actually, I think, going to go down as... All but 10 seconds. Yeah, I think it's honestly going to go down as one of his most memorable performances that was not directly linked to a championship. It, it was pretty damn amazing. I think amazing. that's fair to say. I think that and, is fair. And there was, a lot, there was a lot of people you know, suspecting that he was trying to shift the narrative away from people talking about the Lakers getting swept. And, and you and I both said in the moment that that felt way too clumsy Machiavellian of LeBron. Like it's, it's too obvious. Like even for somebody like LeBron, who is, as I like to say, very passive, aggressive, like that's, <laughs> that's too much even for him. And it, it's not like people forgot that they got swept. Like it, it's come up again since. Yeah. I love that. That just broadly speaking as the, the sort of thing that is done to distract people from the other thing that happened is one of the least effective, like, you know, sort of, it's at the center of every conspiracy theory. You are correct. Everyone remembers the Lakers got swept. Well, I'll just say this. LeBron would need to do a hell of a lot more than float the idea of retirement to make people literally forget how the Western Conference Finals played out. You know, and by the way, and this is relevant to the Darvin Ham conversation we're going to have in in a little bit, you know who really remembers that they swept the Lakers are the Denver Nuggets. (laughs) That's something that that we will talk about on today's show. But yeah, yes, yeah. Mike Malone certainly remembers how he was never going to let anybody forget. But Mm-mm. what I thought was interesting about this is I think it reflects two things at once. As you said, LeBron likes the theater of the moment. I think he likes being the center of conversation. And I don't even mean this as like an egocentric criticism, even though there's some ego that goes along with this, just like it, there is for most people who are Andy, were I LeBron? I have an, I have a tremendous ego, and I'm just me. Imagine right. if I was LeBron. <laughs> I mean, you're insufferable now. I, but I, my point exactly. You know, like a lot of people who are truly great at whatever have some ego, and then there's also there are some people who are just built for the spotlight, and they gravitate towards it because they enjoy it. They know how much that spotlight feeds their power and their influence. And they recognize also that there are people, their fans, who enjoy them in the spotlight. But I also think, too, what LeBron said in talking about, you know, this moment and the game four, post-game four things he said was, quote, when the season ended, I said I wasn't sure if I was going to keep playing. And I know a lot of experts told you guys what I said, but I'm here now speaking for myself. In that moment, I am asking myself if I can still play without cheating the game. Can I give everything to the game still? The truth is I've been asking myself this question at the end of season for a couple of years now. I've just never talked openly about it. And I think that is believable because it is exactly what you and I said when we did the emergency podcast 
We did a post-game four podcast and then an emergency podcast after LeBron's post-game. If people want to go back, you can listen to us. We said the same thing. It's believable that he's thinking about this stuff because the older he gets, the harder it is to keep right. doing this. And LeBron has, at this stage of his career, nothing really left to accomplish. There's, there's nothing to do. Even if you want to win another championship, he's done it. There's nothing left. A few times. Yeah, it, it's... I, I think what these guys look at, you know, somebody like LeBron doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go out a season too late. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's part of it um, where it's just like broken down shell of LeBron came back for the money, came back for the, you know, cause he wanted the attention, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and, and, and that kind of ego, like the competitive ego, I want to leave the game as LeBron James. Um, also too, it's hard. Like, even if you're LeBron, you have every resource you have, but like 21, you're going into year 21 and the mileage and the, the, the effort that it takes to still do what he does at the level that he demands that it be done is tremendous. And, you know, you've got foot surgery that he may or may not be getting. He's not going to tell us, um, until he yeah. tells us. Until he tells us. But he's not, you know, he's not, you know, or until Dennis Schroeder tells us, whichever right. comes first. But if, if, and if it doesn't happen, you know, if it's not foot surgery, it's going to be something else. Like it is really hard to be LeBron and to, to fire up the, the, the engines in the offseason and want to do that. Um, it's, it's not easy to do. And I, I will say the other thing I just kind of like about it that I think is that when I, when I said before, it like kind of makes you giggle is he's just kind of cheesy. Like LeBron, like, you know, we talk about the sort of his style and theatricality. And sometimes he does some stuff that's really funny. A lot of his movies, like, you know, um, have been entertaining. And, they, you know, it's, it's not that he you know, lacks a sense of humor or whatever it is. But, like, he's, he's just, he's old man dad cheesy, which, again, I kind of appreciate because I am, you know, 10 years give or take, you know, a part, how old is LeBron? 30? He's going to be turning 39 this year. Okay. So I'm, I am seven years you know, older than LeBron. I am 27 years or whatever older than Max Christie. So I just don't have much to identify with him with. Um, it was just, it was a fun moment. It was cool. I liked, you know, I, I appreciated the whole thing about LeBron from the serious stuff you were talking about to the kind of, eye-rolling frivolity of of it um but uh let's talk darvin ham because this interview that he gave to haynes and mark stein was awesome yes it uh, was. so let's talk about that next Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the makers of shorts and pants that feature the future of comfort, which is built-in underwear. Stitch inside the pants or shorts. It's almost like a layer of boxer brief that are at one with the clothing, and they call it Comfort Kingdom, and you can rule this land in your Bird Dogs. They make you look better, you feel great wearing your Bird Dogs. The stretchy fabric makes my legs, your legs, everybody's legs look great, and they are comfier than other pants and shorts because they're not made from the typically stiff, restricting cotton in most legwear. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks like khaki, but it stretches, and they're also versatile, the Bird Dogs. You can wear the same pants or shorts on a golf course, work meeting, on a date, even in the same day. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter a promo code LockedOnNBA, they will throw in a free 
custom bird dog Yeti style tumbler with every order. Take a look. It is awesome. Worth it just in itself for the tumbler. So get your tumbler and get yourself some bird dogs. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's often the case we talk about players having a chip on their shoulder. You know, like, sometimes it's earned, sometimes it's kept there for... Um, you know, reasons that motivate players in ways that, you know, maybe some of us don't like, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, taking the the criticism of eggs on Twitter and turning that into something that clearly motivates him. You know, Kobe would invent things. Michael Jordan would invent slights. All these guys do it. Um, Darvin Ham has, knows all 10 teams, Andy, that <laughs> passed up on him when it was time to, uh, you know, potentially hire him as a head coach. Um, Mark Stein, the ones he interviewed with. Correct, yeah. Um, he interviewed with the Celtics, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Wolves, the Magic, uh, the Magic, the Kings, the Wizards, the Clippers, and as Darwin noted, the Hawks. Uh, Mark Stein says, yes, uh, 10 teams interviewed you, interviewed you and did not hire you as their head coach, to which Darvin Ham said, yeah, they effed up. He didn't say effed. Uh, they effed up royally. You go back and look at those teams. How many coaching changes have we had amongst those teams? Um the man has a list, Andy, and he is uh, he is very aware that he was passed over multiple times, and it clearly ticks him off. Well, I mean, Darwin is one of those guys that has had to really fight and claw for his entire mm -hmm. time in professional basketball because he was undrafted. He was somebody that carved out a 10-year career by virtue of you know, having obviously some size, some athleticism, some strength, all that stuff. I mean, everybody remembers him in college quite literally breaking a backboard. Yep. But the reality is Darwin had to get by by just busting his ass. And nothing was ever stable for him. And you combine that with an upbringing that he talks about all the time in Saginaw, which was very rough, where he was shot in the face. Um <laughs> You know, as the old saying goes, once you're shot in the face, ain't bleep else that scares you, you know? It's not <laughs> like, a saying you get to use a lot, but it no, is thankfully, always true. I'm glad. I, yeah. I, I, hope, I hope it's a saying that, you know, goes the way of the dodo bird. But nonetheless, like Darwin has, Darwin has been prepared for a lot of fight when it comes to success, but he's also somebody that has had to summon supreme confidence 
mm-hmm. because it's taken a long time and a lot of fighting for people to actually fully have that confidence in him. Like even if they respect him, it's a, it's a different level. And you know, he's whether you like Darwin as a coach, whether you don't like Darwin as a coach, there is no question the man has earned this opportunity with the Lakers. It is impossible to refute that. And you know, I to me the the contrast between how these comments would have been perceived among Lakers fans. Because I think everything you said is one, you know, a thousand percent correct. Um, how these comments would have been perceived by Lakers fans if you if he had done this interview in say February or you know January versus you know when the season was over after he had a you know very strong end of the season and I think was generally perceived to have had a strong playoffs. I think most people thought. Um, you know, he pushed a lot of good buttons and, you know, not everything worked perfectly there. Are not, not most people. I mean, in the YouTube section for Locked on Lakers, our page, I would say somewhere between a third to half of the comments refer to Darvin as either Darvin scam or Darvin spam. Right. Or except, Darvin sham. But in December, 85% of them referred to him as that. So, I mean, I so. And, you know, when you in, in, among the uh, the the pundit class, at least, you know, he was perceived to have had a good playoffs. And I think generally speaking, you know, there were there was a lot more positivity around Darwin and what he did in the playoffs, the moves he made and all that. I um, agree at the end than there was at the beginning. And, you know, I I like this. I like that he has this massive chip on his shoulder. I like that he basically wants to F you every team that passed on him and look at it and said, you know what? You've hired four head coaches since you could have hired me. I would still be your head coach. Is he right? Is he wrong? I don't know. Most of the time coaches get fired because their team doesn't provide them with what they need to succeed. Ask Frank Vogel, who won a championship. and was Coaches are ultimately, unless you're like Pop, Spo, who at the time – I guess you know what even them it applies to because when they began they were not pop or spo they were you know the guy from I don't know the military or whatever and the dude from the film room pretty much all these guys are hired to get fired and then you're sometimes just pleasantly surprised exactly and so you know I I just I lo- I I like that's the same attitude that he brings to the team I think that edge shows up with the team. And I don't mean like in a, you know, everyone counts us out kind of way. You know, we're just, you know, the little street fighting Lakers, you know, woe is us little engine that could. But, you know, that kind of belief in yourself, that kind of belief in your own talent and your own ability to do the job that you've been hired to do. Um, it it remain it's it's for other people to judge whether or not he's correct. But if he doesn't believe that he is the the man and qualified and should have been hired a long time ago, uh, and that each one of those teams made a mistake, then that that bleeds into your coaching. And you know, I, I we like it when players talk that way. I, I I mean, I'm sure there are other examples. I just can't remember a whole lot of examples of the coach kind of using that sort of. I know all 17 teams in order that passed me in the draft the year when I was drafted 18th and I thought I should have been fourth. Well, here's the thing with Darvin and, you know, I'll preface this by saying you and I have not been around Darvin as a head coach, the way we were around him more regularly when he was an assistant with, uh, 
blanking right now with who was the assistant? Wasn't he on uh was he on Mike Brown's staff? Or yes, it... he was on yeah. Mike Brown's staff. Yeah. Thank you very much. We were we were around that team on a daily basis, around Darvin a little bit more, had more conversations with Darvin. But the Which vibe was, that you say pretty early in his career. Yeah, absolutely. But the vibe that I still get, I mean, Darvin was impressive then. Like he was somebody oh, yeah. that was a great communicator. Like if you could ask him questions and he explained things extremely well and clearly um, in ways that were really digestible. But the thing that I, I like about Darvin now, the vibe that I get from him, he may talk some bleep and he's really confident about his ability to meet a moment, to command a room and what he brings to the table, all that stuff. But he, he may talk bleep, but he doesn't strike me as a you can't tell me bleep guy. Mm-hmm. Like He doesn't strike me as somebody that feels like he's got everything sewed up and there's not a damn thing you can tell him. Like He talks all the time about being collaborative with his staff, being collaborative with his players, listening, like the importance of listening. Like he he talked in this interview with Mark Stein and Chris Haynes about like the ability to be honest with LeBron. And, you know, that if LeBron misses an assignment, he'll point it out on film. And it's not about, you know, the the idea of, oh, he'll say this to LeBron like it's some type of like pissing contest. It's just the idea of people need to have an open conversation with everybody. And that includes people saying to him, there's a better way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Darwin has, I think, certain degrees of stubbornness or things that he falls back on in the way all coaches all do. All coaches do. But he doesn't seem like somebody who can't be told anything. And I think that's really important. He certainly is. But I will say this. He ain't going to be told anything by Mike Malone. I am really glad because there are two ways we could have gone here. And that was the thing I really wanted to talk about. Um, there is a potential. <laughs> Lakers haven't had a really good rivalry in a little while, in part because they just haven't, you know, for a long time, they weren't good enough to have a rivalry. Um, and it just hasn't lined up in the last few years to really, I think they might have one now. Uh, and, a lot of it's going to be generated by the coaches. We'll get to it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you can get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And you can bet on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of a game. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, really easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. I'm sure a lot of our listeners right now also follow the blue. Plenty of Dodgers options. No better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, we didn't get to it like Tuesday. We didn't get to it Wednesday. We didn't get to it. We, we've talked about uh, Des Moines Hodge 
or, or teased the idea of talking about Demoy Hodge. We didn't even tease who we were talking about. We just kept saying there's a potential new KCP for the Lakers. We had this on our railing, you know, the show rundown for like three days. Yeah, they haven't said it, so let's shrouded in mystery. Right, well, Demoy Hodge. Now we're talking about Demoy Hodge, who took 13 was six of 13 from three point range uh, in Wednesday's game, Wednesday's summer league game. He's yep. now shooting 41% in Vegas from three on nine three-pointers a game, so pretty good volume there. Um, in tree, and putting up a lot of good defensive tape. And we'll, we'll try to get into him a little bit more detail um, as a two-way player, um, certainly before the end of the summer league or going into the summer, but an intriguing guy. Um, and what we loved about him and what we found kind of fascinating is who, when asked, he said he patterned his game after, and it was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And you certainly can see a lot of it. You know, KCP has become a very good shooter. Um, wasn't always that way when he started, but he's become that way, seen as a very versatile and aggressive defender. Um, and mostly what I think is incredibly self-aware from Hodge, who's 24, not one of these little baby rookie types or whatever. He's, you know, he, he's got to get where he's going in a hurry, is he understands the path to becoming an NBA player when you're a, an undrafted 24-year-old two-way player. And that is to pick a role guy, pick a, you know, a glue-type player, and emulate that guy as opposed to Kevin Durant or, you know, I'm going to be like Kobe. Or, like, you know, that, that's not no, you're not. Where you're going. <laughs> no, no, you're not. But, you know, put KCP up there as your target. That is can get you into the league and keep you there if you can shoot the ball well enough and if you can play that kind of defense. Well, and also, too, and I think this is really savvy of Hodge as well, if you end up like a KCP in the league, you know, a high-end role player, you can make a bleep ton of money. Like, frankly, you can make a bleep ton of money, a nice living as a low-end journeyman role player as well. If, like you, play, I if you play NBA basketball for five years, by any normal human being's definition – of wealth, you have attained real lasting wealth. Maybe not yeah. generational, but you play in the league for five years, you probably have made 10 million bucks or close to it. Well, as an example, I just looked this up thinking about it. Like Troy Daniels, who was on the Lakers for most of the 2020 season before he requested um, a trade because he wasn't playing. Seven teams in seven seasons. Doesn't get much more journeyman than that made over $14 million in his career before turning 30, Yep, which gives you a lot of options moving forward, whether you and want to stay in basketball. Your 40s can be a lot of things when you've right. made $14 million in your before Right, but then KCP, he's already made in terms of what's been banked and what's guaranteed to him as a high-end role player, already $100 million. And yeah. assuming he doesn't get hurt because KCP just turned 30, He's got another contract coming. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, it's just, it's a smart thing for Hodge to do. I just don't, I, I suspect he's not thinking of it in, in those terms, but I think the payout, your point about the, what the potential payout is there is, is true. Like, if you can, if you can achieve that, you like, you don't have to pattern yourself after a star to get in the league and, 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 you know, make money that way. But if you got to get in the league and if he's not going to get it, you know, that's the path, that's the guy. You have to find a niche as a mm -hmm. as a G League guy, as an undrafted player. You're not you're never going to be in the league as a star. Those guys already are there. You have to find your role. And well, you know, he is clearly somebody who understands who not just what the path is in terms of I got to shoot, I got to play defense, but like 
who are the the avatars here that I that I ought to be looking at? He is smart to look at somebody like KCP as okay. This is the peak that I should shoot for. So uh, Lakers fans have been, uh, I don't know, annoyed. <laughs> What's the uh, is, a, is a nice way of putting it by, by how focused on beating the Lakers the Denver Nuggets have been since the, the you know through the parade and after the parade and all this. Stuff. And uh, Mike Malone, Michael, excuse me, Andy, Michael Malone is as salty a human being as um as as you can find like you know chip on his shoulder like my first reaction when i heard you know sort of darvin's comments in part was like damn that's i i bet mike malone knows exactly like every interview that he never got like i i, I these guys have a lot in common in that way so darvin was you know they were talking about um mike malone's uh championship performance you know lebron i think mentioned it on Instagram and all that stuff. Um, and Darwin, when, when mentioning that, he said, uh, Oh wow. You're going to bring up money. Mike, man, the Lakers daddy. That's what they call him now. The <laughs> Lakers daddy. Hayne says, I'm sure you can, I guess you can talk it when you win a championship. Ham said, God bless his soul. This bleep ain't over. God bless his soul. Andy, we have a rivalry and it's actually being fueled by coaches. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I love this. The 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 coaches off the top of my head that I can think of that feuded naturally is going to be through a Laker centric perspective because that's the team I paid attention to the most. Phil Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy did not like each other, and then uh, Phil Jackson and Mike D'Antoni had a lot of back and forth uh, between each other in the mid 2000s. The Lakers. And Suns met twice in those playoffs. So I remember that back and forth. Um, but it's it's not often that you hear coaches go back and forth like that. I mean, usually there's a fraternity. They, they're pretty much all represented by the same guy. <laughs> but this is great. I, love I just say, but I, I mean, I know we 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 had a lot of we had a lot of fun making fun of Malone during the playoffs. But I like I liked and understood what he was doing and why. Like you know this this notion of. You know, because while, yeah, was it overblown? Was he looking again, sort of Jordan-esque, any slight for his team? But there was enough truth, I think, to what he was talking about and how his team was covered and what people say about Nikola Jokic and all these other things for him to credibly go back to his team in this moment where you are trying to gin up every possible edge. Doesn't we're not, This is not the time for like, calm rational like guys let's it's overstated like the, let's not over no you you lean into all this stuff because you're trying to wring every ounce of motivation that you can out of your group um and this is just who the guy is and oh you know, he's I, a red I, ass man mike completely. mike malone is a he's been a red ass his whole career really good coach and his players did great coach um you know, in part of that, like I think his players love him for a lot of the same reasons that Darwin's players seem to. Uh, I just, I want the Lakers need a rivalry. The, you know, now that they at least are good again for the next couple seasons, we hope or whatever it is. Like, I want a real good like grudge match type setup here, and you know that it seems like it could come because there wasn't a lot of that on the floor. I didn't think it wasn't like a particularly super angry, chippy 
series like the Clippers versus the Memphis like a few years ago where like they was wow these people hate each other but all the stuff that they did after after they beat the Lakers turned this into like I think a legit rivalry and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun next year absolutely I I, I very much look forward to it I'm sure Mike Malone reminded them many times this is the team that took you guys out in the bubble even though other than LeBron and AD it was none of them <laughs> right not even the same coach <laughs> right exactly um but remember never forget Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. The other thing he talked about was Austin Reeves. We can save that for Monday and his potential uh, status as a, a future all-star. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit more about Hodge because these guys are all really intriguing. What the We didn't ever got to the, the, uh, the over-under on wins, um, how the division shaping up. The Pacific division looks like it's going to be a monster next season um so lots to look forward to next week we'll get to all of it thanks for uh, uh checking out locked on lakers on youtube uh joining and subscribing that channel everyone have a great weekend we'll see you on monday hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today